our text this morning found in Galatians chapter 2. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Galatians. Turn to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to camp in Galatians chapter 2 in just a few moments. We want to start in Galatians chapter 1. While you're doing that, we are working on memorizing a verse of Scripture out of Philippians chapter 1. A couple of verses of Scripture, actually. Verses 9 and 10, first part of verse 10. And next couple of months, we're going to work on 10 and 11. So if you're trying to memorize this passage of Scripture, read it every morning in your devotions. Read it when you pray and at night, and it will start to get in your mind. And I, I think it will be a blessing to you. Let's look up here. If you need to, we're going to read this verse, these verses together. We'll start with the reference, Philippians 1, 9, and 10. And we'll read the verses, and then we will finish with the reference, okay? Here we go. Philippians 1, 9, and 10. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. Philippians 1, 9, and 10. And this is the goal as we grow together, that we might approve what is excellent and that we might discern what God wants to accomplish in our lives. The book of Galatians was written to a number of churches. A number of churches in Asia that Paul visited probably on his second missionary journey. The churches that are starred there are probably the churches that Paul wrote this letter to, Antioch, Lystra, Pergam, Iconium, Deborah, Tarsus. The churches that are in the uh, crosses are the ones that John wrote to in Revelation chapter 2 and, and 3. But Galatians was written so that these churches might understand something about the true gospel. You see, there were some cultural challenges that were taking place in Galatia. And these challenges were adding a lot to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you in Galatians chapter 1? Galatians chapter 1, look with me please, beginning with verse 6. Paul writes, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. And I'm turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. That's what was taking place in Galatia. And Paul's writing this, this book so that he might help the people understand not only what the gospel is, but how to live that out in their lives. There were Judaizers in the church. Judaizers that wanted the people to forget that Salvation was by faith alone, grace alone, and in Christ alone. And those Judaizers were were distorting the gospel. They were adding things to the gospel. It was Judaism plus Christ. You you bring all of the law in, and and you have all of that, and then you kind of add Christ at the the end of it. It was was law and and grace, trying to to pull that together. It was faith and works, and and they they were trying to make sure that all of this took place, tradition and freedom in Christ. But Paul says, that's not what the gospel's all about. The gospel is Christ living in you. 
Galatians chapter 2, will you please? Here's what the gospel means. I have quoted it already. Follow along in your copy of the scriptures. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The gospel ought to make a difference in our lives. And this morning we want to see that the gospel is to be incarnational. It's to change us because we've been crucified with Christ and and we live by faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. I usually have these leaves on my table throughout the week. And Connie came to my office this this past week and saw the, the word incarnational. And she says, does that mean I'm going to come back as a cat? No. The incarnation was the greatest event that ever took place. It's where Christ took on flesh, fully God and fully man. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Philippians chapter 2 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. That's the incarnation, where God became flesh. Now, we'll talk about why that happened in just a moment. Incarnational living in our lives is not coming back as something else, but living through someone else. That's Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand that as new creatures in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. The incarnation is to take place in our lives. The old has passed away. The new has come. And we are to be different. When I was a kid, we used to sing a little chorus. The things I used to do, don't do them anymore. Things I used to do, don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. How'd I do? Thank you, Terry. I appreciate that. (laughs) You see, the reality is, our lives are to be lived out through Jesus Christ. And it's not about us. It's about how he lives in us and through us. We talk about being challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Christ. That's Galatians 2 stuff. If any man be in Christ, if you are here today and you know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, you are in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that? Go home this afternoon and read John chapter 15. Talks about the vine and the the branches. How the branches cannot live outside the vine. But the branches bring forth fruit because they're attached to the vine. We are in Christ Jesus. And as such, he is to be alive in us. Now how does that work out? It works out as we understand our relationship 
with Christ. It works out as we understand our relationship with Christ. Scripture says we are crucified with Christ. Now, there are a number of oxymorons in the Scripture, right? Romans chapter 12. Beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's an oxymoron, right? Holy and acceptable unto God. Romans chapter 6. For we have died and been buried with him so that we might rise to newness of life. Are you still in Galatians? Turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. Paul writes, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's an oxymoron. Crucified to the world, but yet I live. And we understand that we have been crucified with Christ. Now in the Greek, this is in the aorist tense. That means it's a completed action in the past. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, and He was buried and rose again according to the Scriptures. Amen? And Christ died once. Hebrews chapter 10, after this man had offered a sacrifice once and for all, He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? Amen? The crucifixion never needs to take place again because it was a one-time event where the Son of God shed His precious blood in payment for your sins and mine. Amen? That ought to get you cited. That ought to get your motor running. But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Paul writing says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, why did Christ have to be crucified? Two reasons. Number one, he had to satisfy the holy demands of a righteous God according to the law. The law was holy. Wasn't anything wrong with the law. It was the law that told me I was a sinner. Without the law, I wouldn't have known that I was a sinner because there would have been no standard with which to judge my sin. And the Bible tells us if we have not lived up to every iota of the law, we are guilty of all the law. And Christ died for our sins to satisfy the holy demands of the law. James chapter 2, for whoever shall keep the law and keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of all. And secondly, He died for our sins to destroy sin. 1 Corinthians 15. O grave, where is your victory? O sin, where is your death? Strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died to satisfy the law and to destroy sin. So what does that mean to us? That means, one, we are dead to the law. Amen? We are dead to the law, but we are alive to grace. Keep your fingers here in Galatians chapter 2 and turn over to Romans chapter 6. 
Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, Galatians chapter 3. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism and death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too might, so we too might also walk in newness of life. We are dead. And we are dead to self and sin and alive to our Savior. Christ died. To satisfy the holy demands of the law, he died to destroy sin. And we are to be dead to the law and alive to Christ. Alive to grace. So that we might live out Christ. But not only have we been crucified with Christ, he is alive in us. Now, in the Greek, this is present tense. Which has the idea of continuing action that takes place in our lives. He lives in me. Now, he promised to send a spirit, right? The comforter, the Holy Spirit, who would come in his name. And Paul writes in Corinthians that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom we have of God. We're not our own. For we've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in his bodies and our spirits which belong to God, right? So he lives in us. But the life that we now have is to be a life that is lived out for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. What drives us? What influences us? What motivates us? What directs us? Is Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12. It follows Hebrews chapter 11. That great faith chapter, right? And all of these great patriarchs who who walked by faith looking forward. The writer says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weights which so easily beset us, And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Why? Because he is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what it's all about. Christ. We've been crucified with him. And he lives in us. There's a little chorus that I learned as a kid. I don't think you know it. Judy, can you come help me, please? It's an old Word of Life song. Esther Rudd knows it. Thank you, Esther. Esther even has a microphone to help me. I'm going to teach it to you this morning, all right? It's a real simple little chorus. Alfred Smith, you remember him? He's one of those old guys. Kind of catch you. Keep going, Judy. Come on, Esther, join me.
It's no longer I who liveth, but Christ who liveth in me. All right, you ready, kid? We're going to try this. From the top, here we go. It's no longer I who liveth, but Christ who Okay? Good. One more time. Here we go. It's no longer I who live it, but Christ who liveth in me. It's no longer I who live it, but Christ who liveth in me. In me, in me, Jesus is alive in Judy, thank you. That was new to Judy. I sprung that on her this morning. She said, I don't know that one. Boy, did that surprise me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. But the reality is, back to Galatians chapter 2, the life that I now live in the flesh. You struggle with the flesh. That's reality where we are. This old sinful body, the appetites of my depravity, and, and, and that's not just X-rated stuff. I struggle. I don't eat the way I should. I blame it on my flesh. Do you like comfort food? Oh, I love comfort food. In the past couple of weeks, I've needed a lot of comfort food, haven't I, Connie? Oh. My flesh. I don't plan well and I'm late for an appointment. And there's a rectangle sign that tells me how quickly I should be progressing. Ah, that didn't mean much. It's just a suggestion. My flesh. People don't treat me the way I like to be treated. My flesh. The reality is that I live in the flesh. In fact, Romans tells us that in my flesh dwells no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform it, what is good, I do not find. 
Now, Paul here in Galatians contrasts the work of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, please. He says it a whole lot better than I do. Verse 16, Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Oh boy, isn't that the truth? To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Here they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, here's the but, but the fruit of the Spirit is, notice the contrast, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The reality is I live in the flesh. The flesh is the mask of life that seems to rear its ugly head too often. But aren't you thankful we don't live by the flesh, we live by faith? Galatians 2.20 I live by the faith of the Son of God. (laughs) Flesh, faith. Flesh, faith. I live by faith. You know, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Right? And what does it mean to walk by faith? It means that we understand the completed, finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us victory. Amen? This is the victorious life. Faith in the Son of God and His life-giving power. Faith that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Faith that He has given to me everything that pertains to life and godliness. Faith that He will supply all of my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Faith that He is preparing a home in heaven for me. Faith that one day when I absence my body, I will be present with my Lord. Faith that he gives to me everything I need for today. And faith that he is in control. Aren't you thankful God is in control? Boy, I get upset when things seem to be out of my control. And all i got to do is listen to Fox News and find out how out of my control they are. But I know who's in control. Amen? I live by faith, not by sight. If I lived by sight, I couldn't stand it. Because the things that I see are ugly. 
the things that I see are discouraging. The things that I see have absolutely no value. But I live by faith. So what do we do with that? Jesus put it this way. Let not your heart be troubled. That's faith. You believe in God? Believe also in me and my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Amen? I live by faith. Faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that was his sacrifice. His sacrifice where he loved me. Let that find root in your heart. He loved me. He loved me. As little kids, we sang it, didn't we? Jesus loved me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And if the Bible said it, that settles it, whether or not we incorporate it into our lives. Tom Fetke has written a song. I have it on video that I want to show you this morning just to remind you. Remind you how he loved me. Just, just sit and, and let this take root in your life. Everything he brought. 
loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. And what does that tell us? Look at verse 21, will you please? Galatians 2, 21. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. It's all about a testimony of his grace. For by grace are ye saved through faith. It is the grace of God that brings salvation. His grace is sufficient for me. He came to show us grace and truth from the Father. Wow. See, it's all about him. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. <laughs> it's not through the law, it's through grace. Now what does this mean to us? Very quickly. It gives to us a companionship. He'll never leave us nor forsake us so that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. Amen. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. I love companionship. He gives us help in time of need. Last week we looked into Hebrews 10 and then over to Hebrews 4 where it says, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. We have resources. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? That's available to us. We have indwelling the comforter who resides inside of us. I quoted earlier 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Our bodies are his temple. We have security. Much of that video was taken from Romans chapter 8. You want a blessing? Go home and read Romans chapter 8. Now that's two assignments. John 15 and Romans chapter 8. Nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. And Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That little phrase in the middle, lean not unto your own understanding, is what I struggle with. Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need.